The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. you turn down your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Tonight, as we celebrate God's faithfulness in our youth ministry, as we enter into a season of transition, I was thinking about my first taste, real taste, in ministry serving as the youth intern of my home church back in Houston, Texas, between my freshman and sophomore years of college. And at the time, I was a relatively new believer. I was on fire for the Lord, and um, Everything I did, whether it was Sunday school or lock-ins or uh, retreats, uh, was, was laden with, with Bible and with gospel zeal. And uh, it caused a bit of a wave through um, a very mainline, rather liberal church. Um, there were parents who welcomed that, who, who loved hearing the Bible, and there were others who did not. And I, I faced open hostility and opposition uh, things that were very painful at the time, things that left a little bit of bitter, bitter taste in my mouth that really took years to forgive and show graciousness towards. I'm grateful for a church at Westminster that hungers for the Word of God, that holds its ministers accountable to preach the gospel, that invests in our children, uh, that believe that salvation is alone in Jesus Christ. Don't take that for granted. Rejoice and be glad. And uh, tonight, I just want to spend a few moments talking about uh, 2 Corinthians 12 as we, we get a, a, a little teaching from Paul on the nature of ministry and uh, just to help us continue to refine and calibrate our ministry in a biblical gospel direction. I read verses 1 through 10. Paul writes, I must go on boasting... Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter, On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that yours is the power, that yours is the greatness and the grace, that the ministry is your work. And we give you praise that you have done amazing things in our midst and you pledge to continue to work in us. Help us to be faithful to the call you have for us. Help us to hear your word tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that fall that I returned to college, my sophomore year after serving as a youth intern, I returned with a lot of zeal and was actively serving in Campus Crusade for Christ, a college ministry, and I was determined to lead a Bible study for freshman men. And I spent my first few weeks doing everything I knew how to do to promote it, to recruit. And after a few weeks, I grew frustrated as only two or three guys showed up. And it was a hard time of getting guys to show up and be consistent and be in Bible study. And uh, over the course of that year, while I didn't have fruitfulness in numbers, I established a long-term discipleship ministry with one individual that lasted for many years. Well, as I went into my junior year of college, I was facing my biggest academic load of all. In In the core of my engineering program, I had no time, and I really had no interest in doing ministry. Uh, I was too busy. I had no intention of leading a Bible study, but my, my campus ministry director believed. He was convinced that God was calling me to lead a Bible study. And I told him he was crazy. But uh, he continued to persist, and I finally abdicated to some extent, and I begrudgingly yielded and agreed to try to lead a freshman guy's Bible study. And it was one of those situations where you're almost hoping no one shows up, because I just didn't have time for it. And uh, six young men showed up, and uh, we're eager, and we started meeting, and it's one of those ministries that God grew, and grew, and grew, and we had 10, 12 guys meeting on a regular basis. A young man came to Christ. Uh, Others went from what I would call a pretty nominal faith to a pretty vibrant faith in Christ, and these young guys just developed this community that was a witness on our campus, and they reached a lot of people that I couldn't reach, that our director couldn't reach. And uh, it was a really amazing testimony of God's power because I didn't have time to prepare a Bible study. At times, I felt like I was running on fumes. I was just empty. I was just barely showing up, but it was God who showed up. And I realized a vital principle of true ministry, of relying upon God's power that works through weakness. That God in his grace comes to us when we are empty, when we are weak, when we are broken vessels, God fills in everything that is lacking in us. And uh, it's been a, a blessing to me. And I, in fact, I think it was really that, that year, my junior year of college, that, that God got a hold of my heart, getting a taste of ministry, getting a love for ministry that turned me away from pursuing a vocation in medicine and engineering to an ing- uh, a calling into pastoral ministry. And I praise God for that. And I still keep up with many of those men. Many of, they were scattered across the country serving as engineers and doctors, and a few also are in vocational ministry to this day. 
In this portion of Paul's letter, Paul is defending his ministry. But it's not the kind of ministry that we might expect from a man of Paul's caliber and credentials. In fact, he is having to defend himself against assault of the church who are uh, propping up these so-called super apostles. These are are men who were uh, false teachers, perhaps. Uh, Men who had great eloquence, great gifts, uh, and who are commending themselves and wooing loyalty away from Paul and the other apostles to their own teaching. And uh, what's interesting in this passage, when you read the broader context, is, is Paul, in his defense of his ministry, lists his credentials, but he doesn't talk about his education, his accomplishments, all the great things he has done. He talks about his hardships, his trials, his persecutions, all the things that have beat him down physically and emotionally to testify to the power of God to raise him up spiritually and use him to minister to the churches that he was called to plant. And so Paul goes on this kind of ridiculous boasting spree, testifying to his weaknesses in God's power. He contrasts away from worldly accolades to boast in his weaknesses and frailty. Now, in our text, he is setting the record straight for a people, a church, who saw the credentials of an apostle as one who received visions and revelations from God. And Paul says, oh, I have those. I've received visions. I've received revelation from God. But Paul doesn't use it to prop up his ministry. He doesn't use it to boast. He doesn't use it to somehow legitimatize his ministry. Rather, he goes on to say how vulnerable he was to pride and conceit and how God had to intervene in his life with what he calls a thorn of the flesh, a messenger of Satan to test him, to humble him, to help retard his, his natural tendency towards pride and conceit so that he would learn to humble himself and depend upon God. And surely Paul had lots of fruit in his ministry, many things to testify to and record, many things to write home about in missionary prayer letters. But the things he chooses to boast about are his weaknesses and the power of God working in his weakness for the growth and strengthening of his church. I recall last year two ministry reports from in this church that really caught my attention as they demonstrated the same principle. Two of our young people testifying to God's power working in them through their weakness. The first I'll mention is Joseph Keel. That a year ago, a little before this time, he had finished up his term as one of our summer youth interns. And in this pulpit, I remember him sharing his experience as a youth intern, how, how, how good it was, how, how faithful God was. But Joseph, like other interns that we've had here, testifying to his own weakness and candidly sharing how helpless, how he was tempted to despair, how he was broken, how by serving in ministry only exposed more keenly his own sin and his own desperate need for God's grace. And when I heard those words, I thought to myself, that is the sign of true ministry. That's a sign of a youth ministry that's centered in the gospel, where our people are more and more aware of their sin, 
but even more and more aware of the greatness of God's grace in the gospel. A second example is Jenny Florio, who you may recall served in Japan as our summer mission intern a year ago. And uh, when Jenny went there, she served in a counseling ministry, providing counseling and teaching to Japanese women. And um, she would send back these email reports just, just detailing the, the oppressive sense of spiritual darkness and how overwhelming it felt like that tsunami that struck this island nation years ago. She just felt inundated with the need and the brokenness of this, this westernized, prosperous nation steeped in idolatry and despair. And Jenny would send emails to her supporters and to our missions committee begging for prayer, begging for encouragement in the Lord to help her keep her head above water, that God's power would work in her through her weakness. I'm convinced that no one is truly called to ministry, whether it's a short-term or a long-term vocational ministry. No one is truly called to ministry until he or she has been undone like Isaiah, until that person has been brought to his or her breaking point, until you are brought to the despair of your own flesh and your inabilities. True ministry is both seeing and desiring God's power working through weakness. Our youth ministry has been blessed, as many have testified to tonight. We've been blessed here at Westminster with men with exceptional gifts uh, of leadership and communication and servant-hearted ministry. Uh, Troy, you know, is an excellent communicator. He's a powerful preacher of God's Word and is faithful in his, his gospel. So I I know very few men with greater gospel passion than Troy Bruin. I'm so grateful for what God has done in his life and how he's blessed this church and how he is blessing and will bless the western part of this county. Praise God for that. We're eager to see what God will do in the further parts of this county and beyond. But I know that Troy would be the first to admit his own weakness, his own dependence, and like all ministers, anyone who would presume to stand in this pulpit, the ugly twin temptations of conceitedness and despair. As weak human flesh must handle the challenge and the call to preach God's word. Steve Brown, the uh, radio preacher, teacher, personality, uh, was one of my teachers a few weeks ago at Westminster Seminary. And Steve Brown was, had this to say about preaching. He says, it is the greatest hypocrisy that, 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 that at the church would expect a mere man to stand in the pulpit and, and handle the word of God. And yet, it's God's grace. It's God's grace that legitimatizes our ministry. It's God's grace that purifies these sinful lips and cleanses this sin-stained heart. And it's God's power alone that makes these mere words effective to convict, to convert, to heal people and turn people to Christ, who is our Savior. I ask you to pray for Troy. Pray for Amy. 
pray for this core group as they gather, as they meet, as they seek God's direction, as they look for specific targets, as they meet people, as they gather, pray for them for God's blessing and his power and his grace that this ministry would be vibrant, a vibrant testimony to God's power that operates on his grace alone. We also ask you to pray for our youth ministry under the capable hands of Chris Walker. We pray, we ask you to pray that uh, our youth ministry would continue to grow and flourish. Our youth are assaulted. Assaulted by media, assaulted by a, a culture of debauchery, and they need our prayers. They need our investment. Please invest in our youth. Please speak truth into their young lives, as it's been testified to so many times tonight. Our youth need elder adults to pray for them, to love them. I have to speak praise to Eleanor Isaacson, who prays for my family. She calls every birthday. We have seven kids. So she's calling our house a lot to, to pray for our children and just to pray for uh, our young ones. What sustained Paul? What sustained him in throughout his trials? It says that he pled three times that God would remove this thorn in the flesh, whether it's a physical or emotional ailment, we're not sure, but his, God's answer to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to boast gladly in his weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon him. He boasts in insults, hardships, and persecutions, Testifying that when he is weak, then he is strong. You know, Jewish and Greco-Roman culture hated weakness. It despised women, children, the uneducated, the disabled. The Jewish leaders like the Roman military and leadership prized power and control. I'm convinced that American culture is not all that different. We are obsessed with power. Whether it comes in the way of education, wealth, success, fame, influence in Washington, D.C. or elsewhere, or a nation that wants to flex its muscles. Even now as Congress contemplates launching missile strikes into the land of Syria, we have misplaced confidence in our own power. The Word of God testifies to a power greater than military missile strikes. The Word of God testifies as something much greater that topples regimes, that overwhelms and conquers sinful men's hearts. Paul says in Romans 1.16 that he is not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Jews and Greeks, Romans and Americans today despise and shudder at pain, shame, humiliation, and the sign and symbol of the Christian faith, the cross. It is the ultimate sign of pathetic weakness. In his hour of need, Jesus prayed to his Father that this cup of his Father's wrath might pass from him. But not my will, but your will be done. Unlike a good American, Jesus did not demonstrate self-assertion. Rather, weak submission to fulfill his Father's will. 
this plan and mission of reconciliation to demonstrate the greatest power the world has ever seen, the power to pardon guilty criminals, to forgive wayward sinners, to conquer sin and death, to ransom the captives, to set us free from our bondage to sin, to satisfy the holy wrath of Almighty God, to redeem every lost son and daughter of the living God. All of this was accomplished by the ultimate act of powerlessness and weakness. Whose power will you rest in? Yours or God's? Will you despise your weakness or will you boast in them? Allowing them to humble you and make you dependent, allowing that God's power may be made perfect in you. Let us pray. Father, we do indeed praise you for your great power, your awesome display of of glory that turns the world upside down. We thank you that you, you choose to use weak men and women to accomplish your purposes. We thank you for this time tonight to testify to your greatness. May you indeed be our power. And may you demonstrate your grace, enable us to carry on the work you have called us to do in Lancaster County and beyond. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.